0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Capital Outlook from Wyoming PBS. Capital Outlook is a weekly show broadcast whenever the Wyoming Legislature is in session from Cheyenne. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. Welcome to our final episode of Capital Outlook from this component of the legislature here in 2021. There'll be more to follow later, maybe in a special session, but welcome. I am Craig Blumenshine from Wyoming PBS. We're pleased to be joined this evening with the governor of the state of Wyoming, Governor Mark Gordon. He's a little over halfway through his first term and we have a lot to talk about with him and what the legislature is working through this session. Then our weekly conversation with the majority leaders of the Wyoming Legislature, Representative Eric Barlow, he's the House Speaker, and Senate President Dan Dockstetter. Then we're gonna turn to the minority's perspective with minority whips. That's Senator Mike Grew and Representative Andy Clifford, and we'll end with our Capital Outlook profile this week with Representative Chuck Gray. That's next as Capital Outlook starts now.
1: This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway service area. Proud to support Wyoming PBS.
2: This program was funded in part by
0: a grant from Newman's Own Foundation. Working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at
2: Foundation.org. By a grant from AARP, serving the needs and providing real possibilities for the over 50 population in Wyoming. AARP Wyoming, proud to support Wyoming
3: PBS. Programming on Wyoming PBS is brought to you in part by Wyoming Humanities. Strengthening Wyoming democracy through the humanities for 50 years. ThinkY.org. Proud to support Wyoming PBS.
0: It's our pleasure to be joined by the 33rd Governor of the State of Wyoming, Governor Mark Gordon. Thank you, Governor, for spending time with us and welcome back to Capital Outlook.
4: Well, thanks, Greg. Always enjoy this conversation.
0: You're a little over midway through your first term here, Governor, but I wanna talk about what might be on your plate right now, and that is your ability to have a line item veto. You have been given a budget from um, the House and the Senate that was, um, came to you in almost record time, um, much agreed upon with the budget you presented them. One of the things that, that's in that budget, Governor, that I'd like you to comment about, and then you can talk maybe about any le- vetoes you're, you've considered, is why am I still gonna save money here? Even after your $400 million plus cuts, and I'm speaking of $160 million that's gonna to go to the Permanent Mineral Trust Fund, $200 million or more to the LIZRA account. Governor, how can that be at this time when you've had to make substantial cuts in the budget?
4: Well, and Craig, thank you for that. And it was, it was certainly music to my ears to hear on the floor of the Senate that the real fiscal conservative is, is downstairs. Um, but. Uh, The cuts weren't easy and and it was difficult. Uh, We we still aren't out of the woods. I'm sure we'll probably talk a lot about Wyoming's future at at this point. Uh, And it is just prudent to try to make sure that we have a little bit of flexibility going forward. Uh, and, and that's what the LISRA does and, and, and I think you know and hopefully the, uh, the people watching know that the LISRA really backstops so many things we do from schools to the Hathaway to general fund spending. It, it really is sort of the gasoline behind uh, what happens during the, the course of the year. So, so I do think it makes some sense to put, uh, to, to put money back there. Um, you know, this has been an incredibly trying, you said a little bit uh, over halfway through my first term, which seems like it's been about 40 years uh, over the course of 2020. Uh, but, but we have, um, it's been a very complicated time financially. Uh, at a time when we were cutting $430 million at the same time, uh, we were having to spend 1.2 of the federal funding, and now we have this new plan coming along. So, it's a complicated time, and I think what we tried to do uh, in our budget, and I'm very happy the legislature saw it that way too, was to try to balance that against what the future is. Any red ink that you
0: might put in the budget as far as any line item vetoes, which you have the power to do?
4: I, I do, and we, we, we considered those very, very carefully. Um, you, you know, the, the legislature, when I first became governor, we, we made a big point about not legislating in, in uh, the budget. Uh, and so for the most part, uh, the, the language change, has changed from the governor shall do this or the executive branch shall do that to it is the intent of the legislature that. Uh, and, and so where those places are, uh, where there's very prescriptive, almost legislative approaches that come in the budget, which is unconstitutional. We've really stayed the course, the, the course there. I'm a little bit concerned um, about pulling money out of corrections uh, to fund schools. We obviously know school funding is, a, is an enormous issue, and I, I, I certainly recognize that and, and respect it. Um, but we cut enormously out of, out of uh, corrections. And, um, you, you know, the viability of that program, we have a new director, um, it, you know, there were some things that I think are unfortunate uh, in that we still have the same number of positions for mental health counseling, but we, we don't have the funding for it, uh, th- those kinds of problems. Uh, and so I, I really am reluctant to, to, to see corrections robbed so that we can uh, fund education. Let's talk
0: about COVID-19 and a couple issues I wanna visit with you about that. First is, you heard President Biden on Monday ask governors to reinstate mask mandates. I think a White House conference call at least was available to you on Tuesday. Not sure whether you participated in that or not. Um, I believe your office has said the metrics are looking good for Wyoming. I'm not interested in a mask mandate now. But Governor, what are the thresholds or are there any thresholds out there that potentially could drive you to reinstate a mask mandate?
4: Well, first and foremost, we started the whole uh, COVID crisis with uh, a call to personal responsibility, and that really is where, where we've stayed. We also said that we were gonna be data-driven. Uh, I don't think politics really should enter into this conversation. It ought to be what, what's happening in Wyoming, what are we seeing? Uh, if, if the levels rise to uh, an area where there's concern, and there's, you know, a predictable trend in other things. Uh, we would consider uh, doing something with a with a more stringent protocol, uh, but but I don't believe we need to do that. Um, uh, I I think that Wyoming, we have the experience. We're, we're coming back. Our businesses are are working, I know we had a little bit of a flutter with some people concerned about schools. My interest, and I'm so happy we got our basketball tournament completed, even had a snowstorm uh, that, that kept people there so it was Wyoming back to normal. But we wanna make sure that our school uh, and year ends with proms, with graduations in person, with athletics, with schools that are full and, and working in person. Uh, and and that's where we want to we want to keep ourselves, uh, and and that's just due to the good the good work of, of Wyoming citizens. So we'll keep there. Seems to me that hospitalizations was what
0: tipped you over the edge last that, time around.
4: That that is correct. Uh, uh, hospitalizations. Um, you know, I think it's pretty clear Wyoming uh, is vulnerable to. Uh, having neighboring states as well as our own hospitals over capacity fairly quickly. We saw hospitals close to Wyoming patients uh, in uh, uh, both in Montana and in Utah last year uh, for a period of time, also South Dakota uh, and and that's where the best care that you can get in Wyoming that you know that tier 4 current care goes. so so it is a, it's, a, it's a complicated um, assessment, uh, we, we have to take into account what's going on in our neighboring states, but most especially here. But the nice thing is that our hospitalizations come have come down and they have stayed at a relatively low level.
0: I wanna to talk to you about Medicaid expansion. Mm. Um, it's been uh, <clears throat> vetted in this legislature, historically passed the House, died in a Senate committee this week. You've been a little quiet about it from your executive office, Governor. What did you think about um, as this was matriculating
4: through the process? Well, I think there's some concerns. Um, I, I felt, and and Craig, I did, uh, I did ask that the Senate hear it on the floor. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of reluctance to even uh, consider it, look at it. But I'm hearing from constituents. Others have heard from constituents. It's a much more balanced uh, group of of uh, uh, I guess comments that are coming coming our direction I, I was frankly very surprised that it passed the house um, I had uh, talked to both the House and the Senate to figure out if it was going to go anywhere um, and w- was pretty much told that it might not happen uh, and then it did and it came out of the house um, I, I uh, talked to Senate leadership and said I, I think um, you know it, it got out of committee but the first time in the Senate, um, at least it should be heard on the floor. I don't know how the vote's gonna go, I'm not trying to be in the middle of that, but, but at least it should be heard on the floor. Uh, to, to your point though, where, where do I stand on this? Uh, I have asked uh, the Department of Health uh, to work with me uh, to, to really think about what the implications are. Right now we know that they're throwing money, it's sort of an outright bribe, please join us in Medicaid expansion. Um, and, and I think there's wisely some who are saying, what is the cost gonna be down the road? Well, we need to know that. Uh, what I think people really have to bear in mind is medicine in Wyoming is in trouble. I think we, we all know that. Uh, you know, we, we, we have uh, a challenge keeping doctors here. Uh, We we have a challenge with our client base. Uh, Most of our most important uh, medicine, um, you you know, the the cardiac and other things, ends up going out of state. It, It makes things difficult. So regardless of whether we pass Medicaid expansion or not, we've got to talk about what medicine in Wyoming and particularly medicine in the central part of our state is gonna look like. <clears throat> so it begs
0: a question, and part of this was in testimony um, um, on the House floor and again in committee this week. Okay, we have been at this for a long time and mm-hmm. we have tried to have solutions for healthcare. Can uh, private sector folks buy into the state health program, this thing called cowboy care that uh, uh, former Speaker Harshman talks about. We have tried everything under the sun to improve it and there's nothing else out there, this is it
4: right do you agree that this is it no i i think that um uh, you know hopefully over the next couple of years uh uh, we'll have a a chance to really discuss what the options are going forward you know as you said uh, we had cowboy care we had the the pool for those that were uninsurable there were a lot of uh, aspects uh, around that Um, There's been a, uh, you know, everybody has talked about ways that we can bring more competition to Wyoming, uh, ways that we can try to drive costs lower. All of those are, I I think, still on the table and and worthy. But the problem is we just don't have the volume. uh, And that's going to continue to be a problem. And and what what sort of holds that up in my mind is that uh, CARES Act came, uh, hospitals got a tremendous amount of just... uh, you know, I guess <laughs> a lot of money that came over the Fifth transom year. Yeah. Last, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this new ARPA uh, plan will probably bring more. Uh, and, and so it, it gives a false sense of security. You know, we're, we're flush again, uh, but, but the fundamentals remain the same. Our population is aging, uh, we're getting smaller, we aren't seeing as many kids born in, in, in Wyoming, and, and we've gotta have a robust conversation about what that means. Governor, I want to give you an opportunity
0: to respond um, something that was um, out on the internet. And um, specifically it it talks about something we talked about about a year ago, about what is the Republican tent? You are the leader, de facto leader of the Republican Party in many eyes. Um, Former House member, Marty Halverson, she served on the Wyman Republican Party Central and Executive Committees and and lost in her bid to re-election for the House in 2018, wrote this on an online blog. (coughs) She said that The few Republicans in 2021 clinging to the notion that there is still a big tent are living in the past. In 2021, there is no big tent of ideologies. Any leftover moderate establishment, big tent Republicans, better pick a side, there is no mushy middle anymore. Those who claim that the Republican party is inclusive are right only 20% of the time. Prior to this session, you had talked to me about what it means to be in the Republican tent. Is she wrong?
4: Well, I, let, me, let me say this. Um, any student of history knows that things change over time. In my time in, in the Republican Party, uh, in Wyoming. So I, I grew up here, so I watched Dad go through all of that from the 60s. I still have an ashtray from uh, 1960s uh, Barry Goldwater campaign. I've got some pins from, from that. Um, and, and that party is not this party. Uh, in fact, the party when I went to my first convention in the late 1970s uh, as an alternate uh, that, uh, that party is not this party, that was Reagan. And, and it's interesting to me be, because to say that it's not a big tent party uh, is to say we're, we're an exclusive club, uh, we, we, don't, we only allow certain members to come and I think that's incredibly unfortunate. Why the Republican party is as successful as it is is because of fundamental principles, fiscal uh, conservancy uh, a, a love of freedom, an anti-socialist perspective, a belief in in what a uh, an individual the responsibility that they have, and that's not just the you, you know rights. I have rights. That's my freedom, but it is also my responsibility to respect the rights of others in that process too. So that those those are core fundamental principles, along with government being closest to the to the to the people. Um, people will change, attitudes will change, this too will change, this kind of notion of we're, we're an elite. Um, you know, that was not uh, what, what, um, what, what took this party forward. We didn't, we didn't go forward and say we're an elite, uh, so you need to follow us. We went forward and said we're about the common man, we're about people, we're about opportunity, we're about making sure that there's a future for this country. What do you believe is most important
0: for this state to really focus on and get right in the, in the coming year?
4: Well, I think we have a few things that we have to really focus on and get right. One is we have to understand that our economic circumstances uh, right now are being sort of floated by federal money. And that federal money, as I said, in my state of the state is gonna come from generations to come. It's really unfortunate we're pulling their prosperity into our own. Uh, this is a, an opportunity that we shouldn't miss uh, to, to make sure that we invest for the long haul in in, in, in Wyoming. Uh, that's the, the state I grew up in. You, you know, those are the people that my parents, my wife's parents were both in depression era people. Uh, and, and they wanted to make sure that we had a future that was better for our kids. Uh, and so Wyoming has got to think about how do we, how do we make a sort more stable, that means a more diversified economy. How do we provide opportunities for, and we've always talked about this, for our kids to come here and, 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 and to find a way forward in that. Uh, those, are, those are essential things we're gonna have to focus on. And so the components that come off of that are obviously healthcare, education, um, I think it is about uh, how, how do we make sure that we are relevant economically um, uh, going forward uh, in the region, and I've worked a lot with regional capacities that way, and in the nation. Uh, you, you know, our agricultural industry has the the opportunity here to really expand into new markets. Uh, tourism, we always do well with tourism. We need to make sure that those jobs are quality and better paid, A- and we need to make sure that we protect our energy sector as we go forward. But now, with, with the opportunities for um, financial services, uh, for light manufacturing, for pivoting quickly on things uh, just-in-time manufacturing like we have up in Riverton and other aspects of that, that's where we should be focusing.
0: We've uh, covered quite a bit of ground. I wanna tell our viewers that um, you have not seen the entire interview with Governor Gordon on this broadcast, but it is out there online, and we urge you to go to the Wyoming PBS um, YouTube page where the entire interview will be uncut. So Governor, as always, thank you for your willingness to spend time with us, and we look forward to um, seeing you um, here in the interim and, and again next year.
4: Thanks, Greg, it's always an honor to be
3: here.
0: And now it's our weekly visit with the leadership, the majority leadership of the Wyoming legislature first. That's next, stay with us. It's again our pleasure to be joined by the leadership of the legislature, House Speaker Eric Barlow and Senate President Dan Dockstetter. To you both again, welcome back. Good morning. We visited with the governor about this a little bit and it's something that I'm having some interest put my way about. And that's the fact that the state is saving money At the same time, the state is cutting money and specifically $160 million in the budget you sent to the governor will go in the permanent mineral trust fund, $200 million plus over the next year and a half, maybe into the LSRA, legislative stabilization reserve account. How can that be? And what should Wyomingites think about when they see that, Mr. President? That's
5: a big picture decision. We send 160 into the permanent mineral trust account and then we are able to turn around and draw millions over the years from that and continue funding Wyoming. It's, it's, a it's a long-term look at taking care of Wyoming. If we were to spend it all, we'll never get it back. In a wise household, in a wise small business, you'd still tuck some away while you're still trying to bring your, your budget or your household or your business back into reality. But don't forget the future. And we have an opportunity with that trust account to take care of another generation down the road.
0: And it, and it provides now about a quarter, I guess, of, of Wyoming's budget when you look at capital gains off those permanent mm-hmm. mineral trust funds. Mr. Speaker, is that the right, the right thing to do in your mind with, with the fiscal straits that Wyoming's in right now?
1: Well, I would first say it's not over yet, right? The governor still has some authority he can exercise. We talked about on that, that earlier um, in the show. Sure. Right, so, um, so you know, is it, is it right? I mean, it's where we are. Two things have happened. The governor made some significant cuts. There's no question about that. So part of what you're seeing is we codified in the budget much of what the governor's work was. And he did some tough work, cutting programs, et cetera. We restored some of those, and there was you know an understanding to restore some of those. And also, all of a sudden, our revenues are improving. So there's, we're kind of caught in two different places. Um, so I don't know that it's you know, incorrect to do this. Um, timing can, maybe would have been a little, um, we'd have liked a little different timing. But it's not, I don't know that it's, um, you know, it's not uh, a coup de grace anything, and it's not over yet.
0: We've talked briefly in the last couple of, of weeks with you about um, the American Rescue Plan and its impact on a lot of decisions that are being made, but also it's going to lead likely now to special session discussion. Am I accurate about that? And what are we looking at perhaps in July with a special session?
5: Uh, we're looking about in the middle part of July, once we get the holiday over with, uh, July 4th and get in front of uh, Frontier Days and come down here and get some work done where we can really focus on it. And by that time, we'll have the rules and regs out. We'll know just exactly what we're
0: dealing with. You've said before, Mr. President, that you want this to be more legacy oriented rather than today oriented. Is that still your thinking?
5: In my opinion, I want that money to go into projects and and things we do across the state that will benefit the, the next generation out. I want to be careful with that. This is, this is going to be too easy to spend this if we're not careful. I want to make sure that we help our communities across the state with, if you will, legacy projects, that we can look back and say, that was, that was done uh, through, a, through a process that included study and wisdom and, and not just writing the, the checks out to the folks, but helping our communities spe- specifically with projects that will take them into
0: the next generation. Mr. Speaker, are you on the same page there? I think
1: very similar. I think that um, you know everybody's hand is out. Let's be honest. We've got we got bills up there that we've already worked that you know try to get in line for some of those funds, and I think we have. To and it is a out. lot of money. Well, 1.3 yeah.
0: billion dollars.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's significant, and um, and so anyway, so there's a lot of there'll be a lot of interest, and you know I think there's probably from my view it's you know maybe we patch some holes, some things that we you know had to deal with this, this in this current budget. We fix some of those things and, and then, but hopefully the majority of it, we look out further and we really have something that's multi-generational.
0: You now are looking at the interim. Um, your, your committees are having discussions about what they'd like to study. Um, certainly the American Rescue Plan um, is gonna be um, a big topic. We've talked about it in the special session. What else is on the top of your list that this legislature really needs to study and consider in this upcoming interim? Mr. Speaker, I'll let you start first there.
1: Well, part of it, and our body had, has 18 new members, so part of the interim is just educating new members. As you know, they, new members come in in a general session, so it's fire hose. This, this year happened to be, you know, a sprinkler system because they were come out, going on and off, and we're meeting in a disjointed type of an approach. So part of the interim for me, and I hope is what we do, is we just start educating our body again building some knowledge about these different things. So judiciary, spent a lot of time on justice reinvestment and things like that for adults. So maybe it's time to take some look at some, some of the youth, you know, youth juvenile side, (laughs) Um, you know, uh, labor health, if there's other things we can um, address there. I mean, so I think part of it is just education. What's out there, we've got fresh fresh faces, fresh thoughts out there. They're gonna bring some things to the table and I think we, you know, we try to be open with that. And management Council is gonna you know, give them some direction, um, but hopefully I, I would like to give them a little bit of a you know, free reign too to explore some things. Maybe there's some things out there that you know, folks like me haven't, are overlooking.
5: We have some uh, new people that haven't had an experience out there in uh, in-person meetings in the interim, and that's, at least on my side, that's my goal is that we we come back, go to work face to face, leave an option for those people who can't do that or are cautious about it. But uh, bring people back, let them get to know each other, let them get to know the interim process and delve into the dip- difficult topics. So, for example, I'm already on the phone with text this morning regarding minerals for the interim. Uh, it's it's time to go back to work in person.
0: Is there going to be pressure because of all of the technology in the capital, which has worked, I think, extremely well to bring Wyomingites direct video access to meetings that may not be out there if the meetings, interim meetings are in other communities. Is there gonna be pressure to have more interim meetings in Cheyenne?
1: I don't know about, no, actually I don't think there'll be more mm-hmm. pressures. Cause I think one of the, always been my experience is going out into our state and going throughout the state, you know, whether it's a regional issue that you're looking at as a committee or, um, you just and you get to visit, you know, other communities, visit facilities in other communities, learn about things. So I don't, I don't think the the technology will will hold that back because I think that's one of the more powerful things that we do as a Wyoming legislature, is in the interim, we go out and we, we work around the state, we listen in the state. This year I also have uh, redistricting. Yes. And so that obviously is you know very hands-on activity. Get out there and understand what the different communities and interests are. So I don't. I don't think the technology is going to try to is going to tether us to Cheyenne. Now, do I think that there's going to be people that are interested in us taking the technology with us? Perhaps potentially. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And we'll closely look at the communities we meet in to make sure that there's the support for that technology.
0: Mr. President, you talked <clears throat> about bringing bills back um, via management council or others. One bill that didn't won't make it to the floor, it appears, is Medicaid expansion. And I want to briefly give you an opportunity to talk about that. Are you sad that it's not going to be debated on the floor in the Senate? Or are you pleased that the committee did its work? Let's move on.
5: My focus was to make sure we use the process, trust the process. There are those who would say, well, leave it in a drawer. Now, knowing that the, the Senate is very cautious about this, doesn't have the votes for it, still the opportunity came that um, we could assign it to a committee. And there's always those assignments that you question.
0: And there was an attempt to really move it in this particular case.
5: I come from the school of thought that that topic is a labor and health topic and that's where it's going to go. And I'm not going to play games with committee assignments. We're going to put it there that'll allow people to watch and still participate. And it's just trusting the process. Will it eventually come to the floor? Maybe sometime along the way? Right now, um, it hasn't and it came out of the other body with a four-vote advantage, is that a mandate to take it through the process? I'd ask that. It'll have its time, but we're not there. Am I sad, we have to find that balance. People of many faiths look at their responsibilities to take care of the poor and needy. I still put that in my mind and try to sort that out as we deal with this, but right now we have to be very careful about our fiscal picture and I'm gonna weigh in on the side of fiscal caution.
0: As we go, um, in our last time together here for a little while, um, outside of the extraction industry, what new sectors is the state nurturing, perhaps, that you are most excited about that might bring um, um, some, some real excitement and, and energy, pun intended there, I guess, but to Wyoming?
1: I think that there's been a lot of um, work on the uh, digital assets the um cryptocurrency all, all those things and quite honestly they're out of my even understanding I you know I'm I'm trusting some other folks that we're actually bringing and I think they're actually starting starting to see some of that fruit you know we're starting to see those companies being interested in Wyoming and coming here so that's one that I think is out the door we're we're already in that and hopefully that actually brings other things here that that tag on to that so what are they you know I think that's that's still out there. I mean, I'm still on the ranch doing, you know, doing the agrarian thing, so I'm not on any cutting edges. With Um, your
0: flip phone, I'll let our viewers know. With my flip phone and
1: my yak. I was about
0: Um, to add the yak. (laughs) Mr. President, what's out there that's really exciting for you? We're on the digital side. Uh, We, in
5: our area, we have a high-tech company that does a great job of just uh, taking us into the next generation, whether we ask for it or not. Silver Star Communications and uh, they brought us the high speed internet before we even asked for it. And it's incredible. What we've had now is suddenly people are moving there because they can work with their company anywhere in the nation. We have a fellow that works with a big company out in Seattle, does it from his home in Bedford, Star Valley, Wyoming. And I could a San Diego couple with their family moved up and they said, We can raise animals and I can still work with my business in San Diego. And uh, they're kind of family value oriented. They love the place. That's happening. And at the same time, uh, we work with Silver Star to go out and reach out to companies and say, can you bring your company to a place like uh, beautiful Star Valley? Because we have all that you need in terms of uh, digital assets and digital power to, to make sure that you can do what you do. We're, we're making trips. We're flying out and talking to people. That's going to be, in addition to all my emphasis on minerals, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that as well.
0: As I say each year, um, we appreciate the access that we have to you and that other reporters have to you. I think that we're blessed in Wyoming that you offer this level of transparency that isn't available everywhere else. And we very much appreciate your time each and every week. So thank you again for joining us. On Our County pleasure,
1: Outlook. thank you for thank the you. taking interest.
0: And now we'll hear from the minority leadership of the Wyoming legislature, Minority Whip Senator Mike Gru, and Representative Andy Clifford, that's next. And as we continue on with this Capital Outlook in our 15th season, it's our uh, pleasure to be joined by the minority whips of the Wyoming legislature, Senator Mike Grew and Representative Andy Clifford. To you both, welcome back to Capital Outlook. Thanks, Greg. It's been an interesting session, I think, from everyone's perspective, but perhaps a little bit different from your perspective. And, and the bill, I think, that maybe got the most oxygen later might deserve some comment from you, and that's Medicaid expansion. Uh, Representative Clifford, you testified before the Senate uh, Health committee yesterday, Mm -hmm. Um, we're filming this Thursday, that was Wednesday, emotional testimony, I felt, and yet this bill won't make the light of day in the Senate. What are you thinking about this this morning? We'll start with you first.
3: You know, I was really honored to have our tribal chairman, uh, dresser, come down and and testify. When we have close to 30% of our, my population, uh, residents on the reservation that are uninsured, Um, our life expectancy rate is 56 years, our chronic diseases are um, um, heart disease, cancer and diabetes. Mm-hmm. And it's just crucial. I wish we would have passed it because when, because of the treaties, and when we go and get our health care and receive our health care, um, the reimbursable rate was going to be hundred percent. And even if, if we went off the reservation and went to the neighboring towns to seek, or we had referrals to go outside, that match still would have been a hundred percent to provide care to the state that would have been reimbursable. And so, people are struggling. People are unhealthy um, and we have to have healthy people to have a good economy, um, to go to work. Sure. You know, so that's important. Senator, it has to
0: be a big issue in your eyes as well.
6: Yes, Craig, it was a huge disappointment that, uh, that it didn't make the Senate, um, um, Minority Whip Clifford um, and her folks in the House got it passed through the House, and that was an important milestone to get that done. Um, and so to have it pass in the House and then not to make it out of a Senate committee, uh, frankly, and I'm just going to play it straight up with you, where it was it was put in that committee to fail. Um, the leadership knew that the votes weren't there in that committee for that bill, and so we didn't have that debate on the floor. Today we should be having that debate. The citizens of Wyoming want that debate. Um, Almost 40 percent of our citizens face some sort of insecurity each month, whether it's health insecurity, food insecurity, housing insecurity, as uh, as a good representative said, uh, whether it's tribal issue or just just among the rank and file all across the state. um, This is a huge issue. it touches our body. I know there are members, there are members of the House and the Senate that face these same issues. And so, why, um, why the fear of having it discussed? Why the, why the just reluctance um, at a baseline visceral level, not to even have the discussion? I don't know what the I don't know what the issue was. You know whether we voted up or voted down. I wanted the state to be able to hear us talk about it, so they could begin to have that talk that they're already having at their kitchen tables every month when it come when the bill basket gets opened up what are you going to pay and what you can't um, this is something that could help 25,000 people could get health coverage on this alone and i know there's concerns about the federal government taking the money away or doing trust this issues or doing the federal that. government sure yes. but you know we can write all that in to a bill we can we can take care of a lot of those issues but uh, boy, not to have the discussion. That was, a, that was a bitter pill.
0: Let me ask you, and we've asked leadership in the, uh, from the Democratic Party this before. Why, it isn't, why do you believe um, Democrats in Wyoming have a tough time getting traction with um, their party and with, with some of their candidates? And you only need to look in bicameral legislatures. Wyoming has the fewest senators of any state. Wyoming has the fewest House members of any state. In your eyes, why is that?
6: Well, I think that we have not done, I think first thing we have to do is look inward. And I don't think that we have done as good a job as we can do about getting our message out. The other problem I think we have is that we all too often let our political opponents define us. Let me give you an example. I'm a businessman. I've owned a business in Wyoming for over 40 years. I have 150 employees and our business is a very good business. I am a, you know, a multi-state, multi-million-dollar CEO of a business, and I'm a Democrat. And for some unknown reason to me, people think that that's some sort of oxymoron. <laughs> um, I consider myself a Democrat and I have all my life because, and a business person because I want to have strong business. I want to have my employees have health care. I want them to have the things that they have to have a good life, a good pay check. Um, the ability to have a life for them and their family. And then also to pay taxes so they can pay for the programs that I like so much that helps more people.
3: To, for me, it's multifaceted. And just being an indigenous person and the values that w- we have, we align better with those democratic values and the Democratic Party. But I, I think I put the onus on us as, as the elected Democrats. And I think that we can do a better job we have to, because we're in it, we're experiencing it. We're in the session, we're, we're in the process. We, we are, are voting on things that are crucial to Wyoming. And I think um, for me personally, there was always that fear, the fear and I think that ideology, national politics, particularly now in this age. Um, and I think we need to get over that. And I talk about myself too, that I, I need to speak up and I need to speak out and that it's okay. And it's okay that we agree to disagree on that, but we stick to our morals. And I think at the end of the day, when we start fostering relationships, when we just start having a frank discussion about what it is to live in Wyoming, there's a lot of stuff that we'll agree on. And if we can craft legislation that can help strike a balance, you know, all mm-hmm. of that that good stuff that we, we learn every day here. Um, but I think we need, we need to step up in that.
0: We do. As you begin to look back on the work of the legislature here, what are the positives? What are the, what are the good things in your eyes that you've been able to accomplish here in the last few weeks? And then with the virtual session earlier.
3: Gosh, it just <laughs> excuse me. It just feels like I don't do enough. Um, I don't do enough, so I, it's always um, warming to me when I. Um, hear from my colleagues and, you know, the little words of encouragement, but, but particularly from constituents back home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I always constantly feel like I don't do enough.
6: What has this legislature gotten right? Well, Craig, I think that, uh, you know, you kind of have to look at it globally. A year ago today, we were on the ropes in this day. Mm-hmm. A global pandemic, fear amongst the, amongst the citizenry, about where this was going and what was going to happen. Um, we had just left session, we passed a budget, all of a sudden uh, because of other um, economic pressures um, in oil markets, all of a sudden oil was running at negative numbers, uh, like say a global pandemic sweeping the country, um, we were on the ropes. Uh, the, um, our, our financial forecast for that for the year that we just predicated a budget on Weeks before, were completely wiped out, right. and we um, we gathered in a gathered in a special session. We worked with the governor, who I think did an excellent job. And you're asking before about you know Democrats and whether or more. Sometimes I think we need to agree, then and know that we have agreements with folks on the other side. And one is I think our governor did a tremendous job of putting together a plan. I think that the. He involved the legislature. I think we stepped up, the federal government stepped up and is continuing to do so. And we have worked through this pandemic. I know it has not been easy for the governor. It has not been easy for us, but we've worked through it. And today, a year later, um, you know, people, everyone who wants a vaccine now in this state can get one or very close to it. Within the next 30 days, we'll be able to. because of the work the legislature did, helping small business, helping large business. I think that uh, and we worked hard on that to, to make sure that the impact on those businesses was, <clears throat> while tough, um, as good as it could be, given, given all the, all the trouble that was there. And now, we look at it now a year later and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's been a tough budget session. We have cut. We have had to make cuts, it's been serious, but I think that uh, with the next round of CARES Act, or ARP money, they call it, that we're poised now to receive, we might be able to backfill some of those things. And so over the course of a year, we've gone through some real lows, but I think coming out of it, I think we can look, look at each other in the eye and say we pulled together and we came together as a state and I think we've done the best we can do. And I also think that that's a roadmap for the future. Yeah, let's talk about the future a little bit. You both are in the
0: process with your various committees of mm-hmm. talking about interim topics. Mm-hmm. What does Wyoming really need to get right in the interim?
6: Craig, I think that one of the things that we need to do is we need to be bold. We need to keep an eye on our past as far as, as, far as what has transpired, but we need to look to the future. Um, I see a future where we we take some of this art money and we put we put together and <clears throat> work with the Wyoming Business Council, which I think did a tremendous job in the last year. But I can hope we put some money together. I mean, a couple hundred million dollars into a business incubator account, where people can come, business owners, startups, young people, people coming out of UW or our community college system, can come with their ideas and work through a vetting system with. The business council, bankers, our slib board, our top five elected officials, and, and and really get a get a get an impetus to drive some new businesses that can stay in Wyoming. Um, I I think that's one thing that we can do. I also think that we can't stop looking away from these healthcare issues that we have. Um, as the, as my good friend the representative was just talking about, um, you know what. Across the state, if people are insecure in these in things, these, they don't have adequate health care, if they don't have these basic needs, they cannot progress. It Simple makes it much, mm-hmm. much more no- You put those two things together and we're gonna be, we're gonna be on our way to a better state. And, and, and as I always say, our best days are yet to come, but those are the type of bigger ideas that we have to embrace.
0: You get the last word, Representative Clifford. What's on your mind that is very important um, for this interim,
3: for this interim, I, I, I think for my district and for my reservation is talking about education. I mean, there was a big push for the reorganization. It, it's it's on the horizon, right? And so I think we need to start having those crucial conversations. So the districts, because there's eight of them in Fremont County, you know, three on the reservation, two sovereign tribes, and so what does that look like? I know we don't want to think about that. But when we talk about budget and into the future and be fiscally responsible and what that is, and I'm a, whole, I'm a big, huge supporter of education, we don't wanna think about it, but I think we have to. And what would those options look, for, you know, look like for us? Mm-hmm. The best options, and I think that's important. The other thing is uh, the governor um, with the MMIP task force did a statewide report on that, have some very good statistics, and I think we need to look at those statutes and there's some statutes that we need to probably look at um, changing so we can help with the, the data collection um, in that. So the, the whole big MMIP is still crucial to, to me and in my, in, in my constituents as well. Define
0: for us what MMIP is.
3: Missing murdered indigenous sure. persons. Mm-hmm. It's yep. been an
0: issue for, um, that's really come to the forefront in yeah, the it last, has. last year or two, and you've had a lot to do with that.
3: Yeah, yeah, it is, and so that's a big push as well. It's a huge push. And then also, um the tribal chairman came down and you know, we have four members total on both business councils that are under the age of forty. And so they're looking at renewable energies. They want, you know, to assess our our wind and our solar and our hydro. And so there's a push for that and we need to start having that conversation as well. You know, the
0: youth component, I have not thought about, yes. but um, being almost a lifelong resident of Fremont County, that's absolutely true and a first.
3: Oh yeah, it's changing the conversations, it's changing perspectives, um, and, I, and I think it's a good balance. I really do, I really do.
0: Best wishes to you both. Um, as always, we could talk for a long time about a lot <laughs> of different things, but we appreciate your time today on Capital Outlook. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us, and and good luck with the upcoming special session and with the rest of your interim work. Thank you. On to our final segment of Capital Outlook today. Our Capital Outlook profile is with Representative Chuck Gray. Stay tuned. And as we continue on with Capital Outlook, it's time for another Capital Outlook Profile. And we're pleased to be joined by Representative Chuck Gray. Representative Gray, you represent the constituents of House District 57 in Natrona County. Thank you so much for
2: joining us. Thanks for having me, I always enjoy long form journalism and uh, this is a great opportunity, thank you.
0: You're sure welcome, you're you're not the youngest member of the Wyoming legislature anymore. We were talking off camera, but you're about the youngest. Um, Did you see yourself serving just 10 years ago when heck you were still in college?
2: No, I I wanted to get involved in in small business, Uh, my family's radio business. That's originally what I was focused on. But I, I started to get involved around 2013, 2014. I was very concerned, as I am now, about our state's fiscal position, where you look at the history of the general fund where you had biennial to biennial growth of 40 to 50% within single agencies. And it was a period when we were flush and I, I thought we needed to be saving more at a time when a lot of the, the newspaper media had that mantra about uh, when, when do we know what's a rainy day? That was the mantra they were repeating in 2012, 2013, 2014. Well, my feeling was if, if you're asking the question it means we're probably not in a rainy day. And so I got involved thinking we need to be saving more.
0: Give us an idea of where you grew up, Chuck. Uh, where did you go to high school?
2: Well, I went to high school. Loyola High School was was the high school I went to. It was a Catholic school. And then I went to college there at Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania, studied business. And after that came in my family's radio business, wanted to get involved with that. So was 22 started with that, and then became a precinct person in the uh, Republican Party here in Natrona County in Casper, uh, and then and then became more involved in county activities, county party activities. In 2014, uh, ran for the legislature. Was very close, but was a little bit short. It was a great experience learning how to campaign, how to t- you know how to how to get out there. I love the door to door interaction. I love sure. the interaction with with my neighbors, my constituents. It's really just something I, I enjoy so much about this job, the phone calls, the the talking on their door, the emails. It's not always, I'll tell you, you go on Twitter, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like my perspective. There's no question about that. But I, I like engaging in that discussion, and and the radio background has sort of amplified that, so...
0: You ran initially calling yourself an outsider. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel like you're an outsider?
2: Absolutely. I think I, I bring a different perspective in terms of the spending. <clears throat> I think that our spending, frankly, at the state level, there's a lot of room for reduction. I and want
0: to ask you a quick question about that, Representative Gray. And, and we're going to ask about your service now on the Revenue Committee, which to me is almost like an oxymoron. Representative Gray. Revenue Committee, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to dig a little bit deeper there. Um, About a decade ago, you know, the general fund spent about a billion dollars more than it was today. So expand upon, you know, what you have just just talked about, about um, Wyoming's still um, fiscal challenges with its spending.
2: Well, the challenge in the way it's presented is the comparison point is usually 2013 to 2014, where we started to have this sort of if you look at it as a line inflation adjusted, it's sort of this plateauing, this upward plateauing. Yes, there's a growth there, but it's an upward plateauing as opposed to the last twenty years. And if you look at the last twenty years, those that 2004 biennia, that 2006 biennia, and especially and it, to some extent that 2002 biennia, we were seeing forty to fifty percent growth within the agencies, and that's across the board. You can you can look at 100 series, and in workforce or you can look at 900 series, which is the contractual series for these agencies where they go out and and contract out with an outside source, an outside contractor to do the work of the agency. It was across the board. It was within the agency in terms of uh, 100 series growth and 900 series growth. And that's never really been corrected for. So the right comparison, it's all about your comparison point. Are you comparing to 2014. Are you comparing to 2016? I've seen that comparison too. Are you comparing to 2000 or 2002? If you compare inflation adjusted to 2000 or 2002, you're not. Your percentage growth agency to agency is going to be a lot higher. And the reality is, is that Wyoming still has. I mean, depending <clears throat> on how you calculate for the Alaska, the 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 oil share they send out to Alaska citizens, which is a little different from the oil and gas, uh, the mineral severance share. We still have in Wyoming the highest per capita spend. And, and yes, we have a rural population and that's great. But look at South Dakota, their per capita spend, which is a lot lower. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that we compare to states that, that have more scale. There's no question there's less scale in Wyoming, but should Wyoming really rank as the highest per capita spend? I, I think that that is not consistent with our conservative values.
0: We're filming this just before the, the session resumes here in the legislature and, and just yesterday, Rush Limbaugh passed away and he has been in a, in a way a mentor to you. Um, you've reflected that he's one of the reasons that uh, are an inspiration for you to become the conservative talk show host that you try to do when you're not, uh, not running for office.
2: Yeah, yeah, Rush is, it's just tragic what 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 happened and Rush has been a huge inspiration for me. I think about what he- When did you first start listening he, to him? Oh, it was six years old. I mean, it, it he, and how good he is at, how good he has been at that craft. It's amazing. When I started the radio show, all the difficulties that came with that as I was trying to, to get better and better and listening to Rush, hearing how he, he mastered the conservative talk radio craft. I mean, he created it, basically. And and uh, just, he's an American patriot, a legend, and a huge inspiration in my life. I wouldn't be here without his inspiration, there's no question. The conservative movement wouldn't be here either, and, and it's a huge loss, huge loss.
0: This session, and then maybe the upcoming session, Wyoming may get a federal bailout, to Some extent, if in the COVID um, act that President Biden is pushing has aid to, to uh, local and state governments, what should Wyoming's response be to that aid? How do you perceive it should be used?
2: Well, I think any aid that, that Wyoming does receive needs to be distributed to the citizens. I had an amendment on the in the COVID special session that would have provided property tax relief and some sales tax relief to Wyoming citizens with the COVID monies. And that was defeated. So I think this idea of growing government with the COVID monies is is wrong. I I do not think the federal government should be in the business of bailing out states. I am opposed to that. I've signed on to some letters about that. Um, I think that Wyoming, we've while we do have our fiscal challenges it's nowhere near like these left wing states like california and new york and, and the question
0: the question i want to ask you is this going to hinder wyoming's ability to find its way forward do you think
2: well i think it certainly if if our state becomes reliant on federal funds i'm opposed to that and i see that you can go through bills all the time that pass that i've that i've been against i the strings attached on these funds oftentimes aren't talked about too much in the media sure. and also the debt at the federal level that we're running up, that we're leaving our children and grandchildren. And, and I want to be part of the solution on this. One of the reasons I, I got involved in policy, I want to be part of the solution on the spending, not just say more, 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 uh, more from, from the federal government. No, we we, we need to get balanced budget. We need term limits. Another thing I've been working on at the state level, and and I think we need at the federal level too, we need these controls.
0: So Representative Gray, you're a member of the Freedom Caucus. What is the Freedom Caucus? Um, You meet, you organize a little bit, What what are you hoping to do as you craft your way through this session?
2: Well, this is a concept that has been there since I've started in the legislature it's gotten a little more media attention but conservative members we meet talk about how we can uh how how we can be effective and i think that's important we want to be effective as conservatives in 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 the legislature so i think that's that's sort of what that is we've always had meetings informal more formal but we've always kind of met talked about what bills were doing uh what are our concerns and and then there's informal meetings across the entire state legislature. So it's more just meetings that have happened. I mean, I think that some, there were, there were some things that went out that that formalized it a little more and and that's fine, but really it's, it's about camaraderie around issues, talking about issues, trying to have that discussion where, where some areas that say you're working on and that, that leads to discussion in another area. So it's, it's collaborative and it's, it's trying to, to bring conservative policy and reach our full potential and bringing conservative policy to, to the legislative process. Now
0: you speak of camaraderie. Have you missed meeting in person in this world of zoom and COVID?
2: Yes, absolutely. Craig. Yeah. I mean, I, I have major concerns too with the, the way that the meetings have occurred. So I was there. I mean, you saw it in the thing. I was there on, on the floor and I'm very excited that we're going to be meeting in person on March 1st. We we need to get the work done for the, the citizens, people of Wyoming, our neighbors, are the work the work that we do, and it's it's very important. And um, I'm excited about the upcoming general session.
0: Representative Gray, it is always a pleasure for me to visit with you. Certainly, uh, one of the most conservative members of the Wyoming Legislature. I, I appreciate your your points of view, and I, I appreciate your your thought in in what you put into what you say. So thank you for joining us on this Capital Outlook profile.
2: Thanks, Craig, for having me. Anyone wants to contact me, uh, 251-1372, call, text, and then emails chuck.gray, G-R-A-Y, at at, at yoledge.gov. That's the legislative email, and you can find that online. So thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
1: This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway service area. Proud to support
0: Wyoming PBS.
2: This program was funded in part by a grant from
0: Newman's Own Foundation. Working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at
2: newmansownfoundation.org. By a grant from AARP, serving the needs and providing real possibilities for the over 50 population in Wyoming. AARP Wyoming, proud to support Wyoming PBS.
3: Programming on Wyoming PBS is brought to you in part by Wyoming Humanities. Strengthening Wyoming democracy through the humanities for 50 years, thinkwy.org. Proud to support Wyoming PBS.